I'm excited to share with you this morning from the life of Jesus. If you didn't know this about Jesus, he told a lot of stories uh, all the time. In fact, he would, he would have people gather around him, and instead of just like teaching them black and white, this is the truth, he would tell them these parables, these stories, where he would use illustrations from life and, and illustrations from all sorts of different areas, and, and the people would leave kind of with this, wow, what did I, you know, being moved by this man. But that's the way that he taught, was through stories. Understand this, Jesus was a real person, Uh, He lived in a real time in history and uh, in a real place, and real people interacted with him. Uh, In fact, we've been using the word encounter over the past almost two plus months uh, because very simply, when people encounter Jesus, something seemed to happen. Uh, People were healed. People were changed. Uh, People's mindset and thinking were different. And we as a church, like we just so believe that, that you can still encounter God today. That, that it is still possible, and uh, maybe not in the physical way as, as we read about in the Bible, but like uh, through the Bible, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, we believe in that. We're a church that just believes that we can experience and encounter God uh, even now today. So, all right, that's enough of an introduction. Turn to your neighbor and say that was the longest introduction in the history of the world. Yeah, I understand. All right, will you stand with me all over this place, and uh, let's begin by reading our passage of Scripture together. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to start right away in verse number 1. So Matthew 13, 1, follow along with me on the screen, or if you have a Bible in front of you, uh, here we go. Verse 1 says this, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. We actually, a number of weeks ago, talked about a different version of this where he used Peter's boat, and it was this really cool thing. Uh, I don't know if this, this could be the same time or this could be a second time that he had done that, uh, so we're really not sure. Verse number three, he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Verse 7. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Let's pray. God, we, we come to you right now. Uh, hungry for more of you and more of your very presence. And so, Lord, we just pray that as we read your very word and as we talk about things, God, will you move and do things and, and show us things. And so, God, we, we just truly come to you with open hearts and open minds today, uh, asking for you to do what only you can do. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, this morning we're talking about plants, yeah, and gardening and farms. How many of you are like, let's go, 
I love farms and gardens. And uh, I thought that we should start with some well-thought-out gardening jokes. Does that sound like a good idea? I think it sounds like a great idea. Uh, why, why did the gardener quit his job? Because he wasn't happy with his salary. So it's like, okay, that's good stuff. I've got more. Uh, yeah, I'm just getting started today. Uh, what did the baby corn say to the mom corn? Where's popcorn? <laughs> yeah, you're too kind. This is all right. Uh, one more, and uh, some of you can maybe guess this one. What kind of vegetables do you get when an elephant walks through your garden? Squash. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Uh, I, I never thought that I would really say this, but I've actually grown to really like gardening. I know. Uh, my name is Kyle, and I like to garden. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you like your garden, if you're a garden type of person. Okay, some of us. Raise your hand if you're embarrassed to admit it. Oh, all right. That's funny right there. But uh, we were at a friend's house last summer, and uh, they had this amazing, massive, raised garden that, that, that he had built. And I looked at it, and I thought to myself, I want to do that. I don't know. And uh, I'm usually not that handy of a guy, but I was like, we're going to try this. And so this spring, we set out on this crazy pro project to like build this raised garden. And I had a bunch of Menards gift cards, because how many of you know lumber is not the cheapest thing in the world right now? Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, and so we went to work. Let me show you a picture of the final product. Go ahead and put this up there. Yes. So this is our garden. Come on, somebody. Yeah. It's like, it's 16 feet by 12 feet, and then this has this little path in the middle, and stuff is growing. Uh, in fact, look at those. Those are pumpkins right in the front there, and we may have planted too many of them in too small of a spot. <laughs> We're learning. It's all right. But we got lettuce. It's coming out our ears. We've got uh, peppers and tomatoes and I don't even know what else. Lots of stuff. Carrots everywhere. And, and it, is, it has really been so fun. But let me tell you, this was, this was hard uh, to build, and not necessarily like the wood and the metal part. That wasn't so difficult. You know what was really hard? Getting all the dirt in there. Oh my goodness. This was like eight entire truckloads of dirt that we had to shovel because we didn't have something that could, I mean, it was awful. Uh, in fact, I, I, uh, yeah, she's, someone back there is nodding because she helped me with part of it. Uh, I wasn't even there for all of it, but it was awful for the people that helped. I know that for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it, it's been, it really has been so fun. And uh, I brought this little plant up here with me today, kind of just to illustrate some things. This is a uh, jalapeno. All right. It's a jalapeno. It even has a couple peppers on it. Um, already, that's so cool. I love that. We're going to talk about this a little bit kind of as, as we go on. But uh, the fancy word for all of this is the word horticulture, uh, which, which just means, it means this, the art or practice of garden cultivation or management. It, it really is as simple as this. Listen to this. It's coming up with a strategy uh, using skill and knowledge and technology and uh, like just to really create the best atmosphere for a plant or a bunch of plants 
to grow. And of course, we understand there are all sorts of things that go into a plant or a garden having success. The, the plants need the right amount of water. As we have crazy seen, as you know, how many of you had a hard time keeping your grass green this year? Like for real, we have not had the water that we need. And, I, and, and many of us are praying for the farmers and the rain and all of this. Like it's a big deal. But we understand that if a plant doesn't have the right amount of water, that it it just does not produce the same uh, amount of growth. Uh, uh, the soil content also makes a difference. You, you put this in sand and you get a very different result than you put it in dirt, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, yes. Okay, there we go. You've got it. The content of the soil, the level of nutrients or fertilizer, uh, the depth of the soil can make a difference in certain times. Even the presence of bene beneficial organisms in the soil. All, all of these things play into the overall growth of this plant that we have right here. If there is not the right amount of water and there's not the right amount of soil and fertilizer and depth and all of these things are not in the right way, this plant right here is simply not going to grow to its full potential. Are you with me so far? Okay, that's very obvious. We, we get that. We'll come back to this a little bit later. A few moments ago, we read a passage of scripture where Jesus uses a story uh, to, to teach something. He uses farming, soil, plants, seeds uh, to, to kind of try to get something across to this crowd of of people. And, and I just want to say this before we get too far into this this morning. Uh, this matters. What, what we're talking about today is significant. And it's a big deal. And, and not to say that other portions of the Bible are not, or this is more specialer or whatever. I don't think that's a word, but that's okay. All right. But like today, this, if you truly understand this and get what Jesus is saying today, I'm telling you, it can transform things for your family, transform things for your life in so many powerful ways, okay? So here we go. We're going to read through this line by line, and we're just going to kind of talk this out and, and ask ourselves, what is Jesus trying to say to us today, all right? right? Take some notes, too. Get a piece of paper on your phone, whatever do this. Okay, here we go. Verse number one. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into the boat, and he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. Okay, Jesus spent much of his time, and we've talked about this uh, throughout the weeks, he spent most of, the, most of his life in the northern part of Israel traveling around uh, an area known as the Sea of Galilee. Okay, in the region called Galilee. This is where he grew up. This is where he traveled. And then he would travel 60 or 70 miles straight south to Jerusalem okay, for different things. And then he seemed to always find his way back up to this northern, the rural part of Israel around this lake. And so this is where Jesus is. And he's around this sea, this massive body of water. And this huge crowd begins to form. Uh, Jesus then uses the opportunity to teach them. The crowd is so massive that he jumps in a little boat, backs himself up, and the people sit and listen to him there, okay? Verse 3, he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. It says, listen. 
These are the words of Jesus now. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Okay, he tells the story of a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and some of the seeds went on the footpath. Like, think a packed down uh, spot where everybody walks over, over and over again. The seeds end up on the top of that, and the soil is very simply too hard and too packed down for the seeds to go in at all, and, and it just says the birds came and ate them. The idea, we have no, no plant that comes because the seed is not in the right place, all right? Uh, so here we go, verse number five. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil, with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. The second seed falls on this spot. It has a shallow little uh, area of soil, but underneath it is rocks or something, and so the, the plants here cannot, the roots cannot go deep enough. And the sun comes out, and because, because the roots don't go down deep enough, the plant does not make it, okay? So we're kind of contrasting. We have the hard path. We have this little shallow spot here, and some seeds start growing up, but they die because they cannot go down deep enough. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Some seeds fall on what seems to be okay soil, but the other plants and weeds that are around it prevent this seed from really thriving, okay? Uh, and so it just doesn't do so well. Verse eight, still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. Finally, some of the seeds end up in the right place, the right soil, the right nourishment, and we have this massive harvest, 30, 60, 100 times uh, what has been planted. And that is the end of Jesus' story, by the way. That's the end. That's all we have. The crowd is sitting there. Now imagine if you're in this crowd and you're listening to Jesus and he just stops right there and he leaves. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, uh, cool story. What's going on? How, how, what, what, why does this matter? Why are we talking about this, Jesus? This is the situation that we have right here. Even the disciples are confused about this. How do we know? Because you can see by the way they respond. It says this, they turn to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why do you use these stories to teach people? Like, the implication here is, Jesus, why don't you just tell people what they need to know? Why do you got to be talking about seeds and farming and stuff? Everybody's confused, Jesus. We're all, we're all confused. In verse number 11, Jesus responds. The crowd is now gone. He's responding to his disciples who are saying, why do you talk like this? Here's what he says. And I'm going to read a chunk here, and we're going to kind of summarize it. Verse 11, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Okay, listen. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they really don't see. They hear, but they really don't listen or understand. Verse 14. 
This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. Now Jesus is going to quote an Old Testament seven or 800 years before Jesus. He's going to quote that right here. When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. They long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now that was a lot and that was a big old chunk. Let me just kind of throw out the main point of what Jesus is saying here. Are you ready? This is important. Jesus is saying the condition of a person's heart has everything to do with how they are going to respond to the word of God. That the condition of their heart has everything to do with how they will respond. When he says things like, those who are not listening, understand with me, it's not that these people don't have ears. It's not that these people can't literally hear what, what is being said or hear the word of God. There's something else at play here. They are actually not listening to what is being said. And this is not plug in your ears. This is in a way in one ear out the other. Some of you have just missed what I said because it went in one ear and out the other. The, okay, right here, Jesus is talking and throwing this. He's not talking about people who literally cannot see. He's talking about people who can physically see, but in a way they will not see because, and he says, their hearts are hardened. Do you hear that? Their hearts are hardened. The word cannot get into them and into their heart because their hearts are hardened. They have ears. They can hear. Okay, you can understand. We're with you. Okay, and then Jesus explains the story uh, about the farmer, the seed, and the soil. And this is only to the disciples. The, the, the crowd is no longer here, but listen to this. Verse number 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable, the words of Jesus, about the farmer planting seeds. Here we go. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So the seed, the seed in our story represents the word of God. And or we could say the gospel or even just, okay, the message about the kingdom of God is actually what Jesus kind of says here. And the footpath represents something very specific. It represents when the word of God goes out, but when people don't understand it. And it's like the word comes and, and ends up on a sidewalk. And it has no way to get into a heart and produce the change and the growth that it is intended to produce. Okay, there's no chance for the seed to do anything. In fact, the birds come and eat it. Jesus continues, verse 20, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. They hear the message, they receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word, okay? 
Understand, this is people, the rocky soil, people who receive the word of God with joy, but yet inside of them there is no room for this to take root and to go deep. And because it is nothing but this shallow thing in their life, it does not last. And he says, as soon as a problem comes in your life, as soon as a problem comes for this type of person, it's like this God stuff just is gone. It disappears. It's, it's no good anymore because it's not helping me. My life is, okay? And it specifically says the roots do not go down deep. Okay? Uh, now, verse 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. This seed actually takes root in a person's life, but it's crowded out by all of the other things that are, that are going on. And he says the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, crowds out the word of God in our hearts and in a heart, and it prevents us from taking, okay, from seeing the growth that we need, okay? Specifically, the worries of life, the lures of wealth, that should jump out at, at us. Okay, and finally, verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much has been planted. Four different situations, four different scenarios, four different results. Remember, the seed is the word of God. The soil is our hearts. Okay, now, I need you to wake up because we're going to get somewhere. Some of you, I can see you're, you, you stayed up too late last night, okay, and you didn't have your breakfast this morning or your coffee, and we've got, you got to come with me right here because we're about to get somewhere. Are you with me? Nod your head if you're going to come along on this journey. Okay, some of us. That's okay. We're all right. All right. The condition of the soil has everything to do with the seed taking root, with the Word of God taking root. So let's kind of put this together, Okay. I'm going to start by saying something super obvious, and we're going to transition. Just, just like the condition of the soil matters greatly to the success of this plant, the condition of the soil, the condition of our hearts has everything to do with the Word of God moving inside of us. If your heart is, as Jesus says, hard, hardened, then you can be right in the middle of the most amazing Bible teaching, incredible God experience type of situation, and you can walk away completely unaffected. And likewise, if your heart is in a place that is open and ready and, and hungry to receive from God, to hear from God, then, then don't miss this, then you will begin to experience God in your bedroom all by yourself. And you'll, you will experience God in the car as you are just praying and singing. And you will experience God in the most boringest, lamest of church services you could ever imagine. <laughs> and God will show up and God will speak and God will do amazing things. It's the condition of a person's heart that has everything to do with what you will experience when it comes to God in your life. And this matters, and it's what, it's what I like to call the posture, the posture of my heart. Now, now, this plant right here, like, you can absolutely take this plant, and you can just plant it anywhere, and you can just hope for the best, right? 
And I hope that it rains enough. And I hope that the soil that it's planted in has the right amount of nutrients. And I'm just going to, I'm going to go with it. I hope that the weeds don't grow up all around it and kind of make, I'm just going to plant it. You can do that, but I think you fully understand that's probably not the best strategy if you are looking to get the most out of your plant. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're on, we're on to something now. This is so great. All right. You will have better results if you plant this in the right kind of soil. And you will have better results if you are strategic about the water that you put onto it. And you will have better results if you understand fertilizer a little bit and you take some turkey poop and throw it in there. <laughs> Is that what people do? I heard someone did that once. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, they're nodding. Okay, but like understand if you are strategic on how you do this and making the best decisions possible for this plant right here, you are going to see the best results. Now, come on, somebody. Like, the successful gardener and garden takes work. Now, let, let me say it this way. Where you plant, how you water, how you weed, what you do with fertilizer, all these things will very much determine the growth of a plant. And likewise, don't miss this right here. Wake up! Okay, the places you go, the things you do, the people you spend time with are either helping or hurting your ability to experience God. Understand that. Be aware of that. That everything you do in your life and the decisions that you make are either helping you or hurting your ability to experience God. Like, if you are serious about God in your life, if that's you, if the, like serious about seeing him move in your life and move in your family, then you need to be aware of how the things in your life impact that. And you need to understand that there are ways in which you can be strategic in your life to put yourself in the place and posture yourself in a way that you can better see the results of God moving and breathing and speaking to you. Ways in which you can position yourself to experience God. Listen to me. And I, like, as I was putting this together, I, my prayer was, God, don't, don't let this come across like guilt-ridden and, and making people feel all junky about themselves, but let this be something that spurs us forward. So here's, here's what that is. It, it, if all week you're filling your mind with all sorts of junk, watching trash online, the music that you listen to, the shows that you watch, don't kid yourself, you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow in your life. If you are consistently spending time with negative people, don't kid yourself. You will reap what you sow. It, like, like, likewise, if you fill yourself with things that are good and you fill yourself with things that are positive and things that are godly, you will reap what you sow in your life. If you prioritize church for your family, you will reap what you sow. The average Christian in America, the average Christian in America goes to church 1.4 times a month. People who call themselves Christians, if you prioritize stuff like this, you are beginning to put yourself in the right place and posture yourself in a way. Can, does that mean that, that, that you can still come to church and have a hard heart? Absolutely. 
But we're beginning to do things that are positioning ourselves in that way. If you open up your Bible and you begin to dive into the very word of God on your own, not on Sunday, not when it's on the screen, when you're all by yourself, when you begin to do that, you will reap what you sow. Like if on your way to work, you listen to God honoring Jesus-centered music at some point. You are putting yourself in position to experience God. Do you hear me today? Music team, will you please come? Now, we're going to put this all together. Don't check out yet. This is important. This is important for me, for me in my life. I want my life to be about honoring God with everything that I am and everything that I do. This is massively important to me. It's what I want. It is my desire. And for those of us that are in this place and you would say, I want to honor God with my life, I'm just telling you, we need to become more aware of the things that we're doing. Some, some of us are like, I don't like this. I don't like this. You mean I can't, you mean I can't listen to secular music? That's not what I'm saying here. Okay, you can still sing happy birthday to your kids. All right, come on. Like, but seriously, for us, for us to not understand the implications of some of the things that we are looking at, some of the things that we are reading, some of the political junk that we've gotten involved in, in, in different ways and posts, and to, to not understand that those things are impacting your heart and your ability to, to hear from God and experience God, that, that's just, it's just foolish. It's foolish to think that you can watch people on TV blatantly sin and be entertained by that and think it's not going to impact you as a Christian, it's foolish. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not telling you to become some weird monk, but just understand the impact of the things in our culture. Will you stand with me all over this place? My prayer for you today is that is that the words of Jesus, when he even tells this story, would in a way spur you on to want to glorify him and honor him with everything that you do and everything that you are. That is your purpose. It's why you were created, to honor God and to help with his mission, to declare that he has come and that things can be new. And with no one looking around here for just a moment, who here in this place would just say, man, I, I want to respond to this message today. Uh, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that means, uh, I just, I just want to pray for you. And so if that's you and you're saying, I need to respond in one way or another, will you just put your hand up so I can pray? God, I pray right now, my hand up with everyone else, God, just, just, just praying that you would help us to take a step in this direction that you would move us, that you would change us, that you would challenge us, God, that we would begin to posture ourselves in a way that is open to you moving and you speaking, God, that we would put ourselves in the right places, that we would prioritize the right things, God, and that we would even just become so aware of the impact that the stuff in our life is having on our heart and our ability to hear from you. 
And so, God, I just pray for every hand that was raised that you would help us, that you would pinpoint things in our life that needs to be different, God. Not in a guilty way, but as the Holy Spirit lovingly moves us forward, God. We pray for that, and it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen. One more thing before we go. We always want to give somebody a chance to respond to the message of Jesus for even the very first time. And if you're here today and you would just say, and you'd say, you know, I've, I've never given my life to God. See, God sent his son to die for you, that you could be forgiven, that you could be free, that those who will put their trust in him, okay, can, can receive that. They can be saved. That's the words of the Bible. With no one looking around, just a time of privacy and reflection here before we're done. How, how many in this place would just simply say, I need to respond to the message of Jesus even for the very first time and I want to do that if that's you will you just show me your hand just very quickly thank you thank you thank you if you are online right now you can respond to this as well in the notes or the description or whatever however you're watching you can click on a link that says respond Uh, please do that anyone else in this place that would just say yes that's me Okay, church, can we just pray this together, all together, so that we're helping those that are kind of responding today. Let's pray. Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? Let's celebrate that. If you responded to that today, um, on your little connection card, on your connect card, there's a little box for you to click or to check, and we would love to connect with you and just send you a message and and uh, and talk with us about talk with this whole thing about you with you. I'm confused. All right, and so please do that if you responded. Uh, let me just speak this over you as we walk out today. May you walk out these doors more aware of your life and the way you're living than ever before. May you understand that God the Holy Spirit is with you everywhere you go and with everything that you do and let that change your life. Come on, somebody. Thanks so much for coming today. You are dismissed.